grab your musket, grab your red dancing shoes, grab your night vision goggles. Welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am usually watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. But since it's the end of the month, we are jiggling over here on the Community Jiggle episode for February, the love month. Happy uh, belated, I suppose, Valentine's Day to those who celebrated it. And if not, well, hey, fuck it. Who cares? It's a stupid holiday anyways. Don't worry about it. But all right, in this episode, of course, we'll be jumping through all sorts of Aqua Teen related things, wrapping up any loose ends on any of the episodes we covered this past month, and, you know, whatever, a bunch of other stuff. Before we get into anything, I'd like to mention that the second installment of our deep dive into the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters is up on Patreon. If you are signed up there, make sure to give that a listen. And if not, if you would like to sign up, don't sign up today when you are listening to this. Sign up on Tuesday, at least, because Patreon is dumb as hell. And if you sign up at the end of the month, you'll basically get double charged. So don't sign up on the last day of the month. That would be a big mistake, and I'd hate to see it. So if you'd like to support the show and get a deep dive this week into the Aquatine Universe Cold Movie Film for Theaters. Of course, this is our second deep dive. Then sign up on Tuesday. How about that? How about I'm looking out for you right there. I don't want you throwing money away. But all right, as usual, no new Aquatine news this week. Big bummer. So moving on, let me tell you what we're going to be covering this next month in March. On the 7th, we will cover Super Sirloin. On the 14th, we will cover Super Squatter. And on the 21st, we will cover The Meat Zone. So no super episode there. But yeah, 28th, we have our community jiggle. And of course, we go from there into April. So hopefully it starts to warm up a little bit. Pretty cold here in Minnesota. But hey, comes with the territory. So kicking off our Aqua Teen discussion this week. Earlier in the month, I went on to an Aqua Teen fan Facebook group and was just posting some like facts and stuff on there just randomly. Figured I'd spice things up a bit, you know, because most of the discussion there, as you can imagine, is just quotes, uh, memes, that kind of stuff. And overall, it went well. But at one point, I posted something about some sort of really funny inconsistency in the show, specifically the one in Mail Order Bride with the uh, ladder at the very beginning of the episode. It doesn't make sense why it's there, the ladder that is later used by Carl to try and break into his own house. And I pointed that out. And, you know, most most people enjoyed seeing that because to me, it's like pretty funny. It's a pretty big fuck up. Obviously, I'm not pointing out like little mistakes because there's a billion of those. And of course, as to be expected, you get somebody coming in like, oh, well, what did you expect from this show? And it's like, dude, you missed the point. Like, obviously, the show has mistakes. I'm not sitting here like, oh, did you know that this show isn't infallible? There's mistakes in it? No, that's not the point here. And it really got me thinking because I responded explaining how, oh, I like to see these mistakes because it's funny to me. And I'm like, well, why is that? Because if a show like Game of Thrones makes a mistake, it makes me angry. But a show like Aqua Teen makes a mistake and it puts a smile on my face, makes me happy. And, you know, kind of a double standard there. But with Aqua Teen, it never tried to be serious. So I think that's why it gives it that leg room to be able to fuck up and it, it, it improves the show in a way. It's more humanizing as opposed to a show that has some big continuity issue in an otherwise really well-written show. Then it's like, oh, well, they were lazy there. They didn't give a fuck. They're wasting our time. I don't know. Just uh, just some random thoughts I was having while thinking about this, uh, you know, ladder that was in the wrong spot. It's always fun to explore our own double standards. But, but still, uh, I appreciate being able to bring this up to you 
the wonderful listener, because I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from when I point out these mistakes. Because, I mean, what else are we supposed to talk about? A, a show that's been off the air for seven years. But yeah, that's just, that's just a little funny thing that happened earlier in the month. Anyways, moving on, over on Reddit, user Howard's Opal had this to say. I thought it was a really nice comment, so I want to read this to you. Just finished the entire series, and I can confidently say it's the best adult animated series of all time. I also loved the ending. I didn't quite get it at first, but it makes total sense. Since the beginning of the show, the three characters, and Carl apparently, are always somehow coming back to life after dying in previous episodes. Evidently, they're all trapped in an endless death loop that makes them immortal. In an emotional second-last episode, we seemingly watch the demise of Frylock and Master Shake while Meatwad grows up and learns the true meaning of family. However, the next episode reveals that everything is back to normal. This reflects the title of the season. The Aqua Teen Hunger Force are, quite literally, forever. It's likely that Meatwad grew up to be an old man and peacefully died alongside his family, only to be reverted back to his early life upon death. As the last episode suggests, they'll never die, and they're trapped together endlessly. The last two episodes aim to emphasize that. So I just really appreciate this comment, you know, because you don't see people talking about this show thoughtfully and insightfully like that very often. Usually, again, it's just a lot of quotes, a lot of this and that, which is fine. I'm not knocking people who who don't want to sit here and hyperanalyze Aqua Teen, but I don't know. It always pops out to me whenever I see somebody thinking in this vein. I mean, obviously, that's the way that I think about the show, trying to find, you know, deeper meaning and otherwise some nonsense. But I felt like this was a good juxtaposition to the first thing I brought up with with people uh, complaining about pointing out inconsistencies. Then you have people like Howard's Opal who really, you know, give the show some thought. So I appreciate that. And I hope that you do, too. I don't want to expand upon this too much because obviously we haven't finished talking about the show yet. So I don't want to jump ahead to the very ending of the show. But To explain it real quick for those who haven't seen the end of the show, the second to last episode is called The Last One Forever and Ever, then in parentheses, for real this time, end parentheses, and then more parentheses saying, we fucking mean it. And it was a very emotional episode about Meatwad growing up and all this stuff. And then this was, uh, you know, touted out as the last episode of the show. And then they come out with one after that called The Greatest Story Ever Told. And it's just another mundane episode of Aqua Teen like you always expect. So that's what Howard's Opal is touching on. And I think personally, uh, spoilers for when we cover it, a, a brilliant ending to the show. They gave us a nice emotional episode at the end, but then they just followed it up with another, hey, the Aqua Teens are fine. They're still going on doing their thing and enjoy your life, that kind of thing. Next up, Over on YouTube, I got a wonderful comment from Aaron Brown on the Rabot videos. The first episode of this podcast, Aaron left us a comment, so I want to read it to you because, again, it's another really well-thought-out, well-written comment, basically somewhat of an origin story here, so I will read this to you. Hope you like it. Aaron said this, Hey, great podcast. All right, that's it. That's what Aaron said. I wanted to read it to you. No, I'm kidding. Of course, Aaron said more than that. Aaron said, hey, great podcast. I grew up with Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I was 12 when it came out, and I kind of want to talk a little bit about what it was like seeing this show. Hope you don't mind. Aaron, I never mind. I was always a little night owl, and so I actually saw Space Ghost Coast to Coast back when it first aired back in the mid-90s. I adored it, and eventually got my parents turned on to it. I remember Friday nights, when I actually could stay up late without sneaking. We'd watch it as a family. Clearly, I had a very weird, cerebral sense of humor for a grade schooler. So even though I wasn't an adult when Adult Swim was announced, I tried to convince my mother, with some success, that I was mature enough to watch these adult shows. 
especially since Space Ghost was one of the shows. Of course I wanted to try these new shows out. Now, I think we were actually at my grandparents' for the long weekend that first week of Adult Swim, so I watched it on their TV. Of all the shows, I think Aqua Teen Hunger Force and The Brack Show resonated with me the most. Brack was obvious. For the cerebral little girl that I was, I was still a little girl, and sweet, stupid Brack was my favorite Space Ghost character. Aqua Teen was a different beast, though. As I got older, I just kept getting weirder, and this was just beyond anything I had seen. It was absurdist and random and weirdly subversive, and just vulgar enough to ease in this small-town Tennessee chick. Rabot was funny, but let's just say the episodes just got better. I don't have much to say about the episode itself. Get me a time machine, we can ask baby Erin what she thought that way. I'll have a lot more to say once we get to the Moonanites and MCP pans. So alright, that's where I'm going to leave Erin's comment, because she went on to respond to specific things in that episode. I'm not going to rehash here, because you probably listened to it back in August. So it would be too much for me to give you all the context to what Aaron was responding to, but just a great comment from Aaron. I really appreciate when people open up and share their experiences with the show. I love hearing it. Uh, if you're a new fan or an older fan, whatever, I, I like hearing any sort of experience with the show. I mean, that's really what it's about. This podcast isn't because I was necessarily a super fan of the show, because to be honest, before I did this podcast, I wasn't. It was my favorite show, but I, I didn't know like a ton about it. It's more about the human experience that I find interesting. And, you know, for me, Aqua Teen brings me back to being a little kid again and or not a little kid, but, you know, in, in middle school and all that stuff. And, and those are the stories that I like hearing people growing up with the show or people later in life discovering the show, whatever. Again, thank you, Aaron. I hope you have uh, some more things to share once you check out those episodes on the Moon Nights and on MCP Pants. And yeah, if you'd like to share your stories like this, check the show notes, all sorts of ways to reach out to me, or you can leave a voice message that I can play on the show. Love hearing from you guys. It's the best part of doing this. So, all right, let me explain to you the second best part of doing this besides hearing from you, the listener, is hearing from people who worked on the show. So, as I promised in the previous episode, we have a message from Dana Snyder himself getting back to me on a question I asked all the way back in August of 2021 when I started working on this podcast. So, I reached out to Dana. I'll just read you the, the gist of my message to him. It was, in Season 1, Episode 4, Mayhem of the Moon and Nights, Master Shake mispronounces Ignignog's name twice, once as Ignignot and again as Ignignog. I was wondering if this was in the script or if you messed up saying Ignignoct and they just kept it in. So I go on from there to be like, I realize this was 20 years ago, I don't expect you to remember this, but if you do, I'd love to hear it and, and just acknowledging that this is very pedantic and kind of a pointless question. But yeah, Dana was very generous to respond and he had this to say. I'd be lying if I said I remember. However, I find mispronouncing people's names to be very funny. I would guess it was improvised, possibly already written, but I highly doubt it was an accident and I couldn't read it. Hope that helps. Sorry I took so long. So uh, thank you to Dana for responding. Again, I asked back in August. He responded in mid-February and I'm at work. It's, it's one in the morning. I get a DM on my uh, phone. Uh, on Twitter, which I don't really use. So I was like, oh, what could this be? And yeah, I'm just standing there uh, reading this, not doing any work because I see what the fuck Dana Snyder messaged me on Twitter. What the hell's going on? And uh, just stand there and read that. So really appreciate him taking the time to get back to me on that. You know, I, I assume he just never saw the message, uh, but he did send me his email address here saying, if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out. So appreciate that. I'll definitely have more questions for him. And yeah, just uh, again, just crazy to get messages from people who worked on the show. Same thing with Last week, I, when I was uh, talking to Brooks Brazelman, really cool to talk to him too. So 
really fun to get some behind the scenes look and I hope that I have more of those for you going forward. But alright, that looks to be it for our general Aqua Teen chat for this month, so let's dive into some extra thoughts, some additional thoughts, some corrections to the three episodes we covered this month. We kicked off the month, well, I guess uh, the second week of the month, with Supercomputer, and over on the Dancing is Forbidden Discord, which you can find that in the show notes, Carson Ibera had this to say, mild correction for the podcast, Diddy Kong, the little monkey in Donkey Kong Country, is Donkey Kong's nephew, not his son, so I said that was like Donkey Kong's small son, and and once Carson said that, I'm like, oh, now I remember, because I, I remember somebody telling me that when I was a kid, so uh, yeah, my mistake, because I talked a little bit about Donkey Kong in that episode. That, yeah, that is his nephew, not his son, uh, Donkey Kong. Either he doesn't want kids or he's uh, infertile or something. I don't know. Uh, I guess <laughs> sterile would be the word, right? I don't know. Whatever. And then Carson says, also, I'm guessing Ronnie never watched It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown as a kid since I got the Schroeder and Red Baron references immediately. So those were references in the Aqua Teen episode. We talked about some Charlie Brown in that episode. And yeah, I, I assume I've seen that movie as a kid, but... As I have said before on the podcast and previous episodes, I am not too crazy about older animation, so I'm sure that I've seen it, but I probably just didn't pay attention because, I don't know, this old animation gives me the heebie-jeebies, gives me the creeps, I probably didn't pay attention to it. But but thanks, Carson, because those are two kind of big oversights <laughs> on my part, so I appreciate that. Before we jump into any listener thoughts that got sent my way on Instagram, uh, there's a few other things that I picked up on in this episode that I want to mention real quick. So at the beginning of the episode, the Dr. Weird skit is just with a bloodbath everywhere, and, and that's the intro. We don't actually see Dr. Weird or Steve. And I find this interesting that we, for once, kind of see the aftermath to Dr. Weird's creation, because you assume he created whatever monster killed him and Steve. And in the beginning of the show, that's really what the show was about. It was the aftermath of whatever Dr. Weird created, with Rabot, with the Rainbow Maker, with Moth Monster Man, and then... We kind of get that here where, you know, for the most part, we never see the aftermath of what Dr. Weird does anymore. For example, Steve bursts out of his chest and that's it. That's like the joke. It's like, well, what happened after that? Did Dr. Weird die? I mean, what, what's going on? But here we saw the aftermath because Dr. Weird created some sort of monster and it killed him, obviously. So kind of interesting to see that because we don't really get that aftermath anymore. And then also a funny thing from Supercomputers, the beginning of the episode Shake says, oh, you done with that game box yet? And Frylock is like, Shake, it's not a game box. You know, it's a supercomputer. You have to respect it. And then at the end of the episode, really, it comes down to Oog saying, hey, can you put some games on this thing because I'm bored? So yes, while it is a supercomputer, it did extend Oog's life. It ultimately becomes a game box, which is pretty funny. And I I'm disappointed I didn't realize that in the episode proper and mention it there. But hey, we're talking about it here. And just a, a, a smart joke. I don't know if Matt and Dave intended for that to be like the point of the episode, but I really appreciate it nonetheless. So, all right. On Instagram, I asked for your thoughts and you responded. We have Bran Bop on Instagram saying, took a while for this episode to land with me, but I appreciate it looking back. And yeah, I totally get what you're talking about here. I mean, almost the first entire half of the episode is just Frylock kind of unveiling this supercomputer over and over again. So I would understand why someone would feel that way. And then it really blows up towards the end once Oog enters the picture. It makes me wonder how this episode would be perceived if maybe they brought Oog in a little bit sooner. I don't know. 
Otherwise, we have Edgar.Allen.Emery saying, I really liked the ending with the Moon and Knights. And I just want to bring this up again because I found the ending to be very interesting, how they just bring the Moon and Knights in for a quick snippet at the end. And again, interested to see if they will do this more going forward because I genuinely can't remember. I don't know that they do, but I think I know there's like one or two more instances, but it doesn't become regular. But we'll see. We'll talk about it when it happens. Moving on to Supermodel, uh, not a whole lot for me to add to this one. It's a very straightforward episode, but we have Taco Pudding on Instagram saying any episode where Meatwad pulls one over on Shake is 100% solid gold. And yeah, definitely true. Can't argue with that. Just a, a classic Meatwad fucks with Master Shake episode. And I found a funny duality while covering the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters where Master Shake kind of calls Meatwad fat when they're talking about why Meatwad can't get chicks. So there's some fun play on that there where, where this goes a little bit differently. After that, we have respectable underscore young underscore main saying a rare miss for season two. So I reached out to this fella and said, hey, I'd love to hear more about why you don't like Supermodel if you wanted to. And respectable young Maine had this to say. For sure. So I just found the first half boring. Nothing much was going on. The jokes dragged for a little while. But the second half is a good moment of Aqua Teen Hunger Force meet Wad's Revenge. So appreciate respectable young Maine. Uh, following up on that because I just find it interesting to know why people dislike things maybe sometimes even more than why they like it just because it's a little bit uh, more interesting when we're talking about a show that we all love and yeah I, I think that just falls into the episode really being kind of repetitive in the beginning because it's just oh shake gets surgery Meatwad makes him feel insecure shake runs and gets more surgery that just kind of repeats a few times until they stay in New Jersey they go to Terry's place all that crazy stuff goes down so yeah, that's really all there is for Supermodel. Just a really straightforward episode, not a whole lot to talk about. So moving on to Super Spore, I have a couple things to add, a couple thoughts. First of all, a correction. I called Clay Aiken the winner of American Idol Season 2, although I later said like he was the runner-up. I just kind of said he was the winner for some reason. Obviously, like I, like I later said in the episode, he was the runner-up. He was not the winner. But again, he's the one we're still talking about, so I guess he kind of won. So I kind of came to a revelation, right? So Travis comes to the USA for benefits and healthcare. That's his main mission. And of all the countries on earth he could have went for that, he went to the United States. If you're looking for healthcare, if you're looking for benefits, United States is not the place to be, Travis. You should have gone somewhere else. I just think that's kind of funny that uh, that was his prerogative was, uh, you know, those things. And he comes to probably the worst first world country to get those things in you know i mean especially when we had literally the previous episode shake is going to another country for plastic surgery i mean that's kind of like healthcare obviously a little bit different because this was all elective on shake's part but still just kind of funny uh, that he would come here of all places for that and then another thought i had on the episode was meatwad and shake both hate travis only frylock allows him to be there so found that interesting. I mean, Meatwad kind of comes around to Travis, but he doesn't like sharing his room with Travis. He doesn't really like being around him most of the time. He only really likes Travis once he hurts Shake. That's like the main thing that Meatwad likes about Travis. Otherwise, he doesn't seem to like him a whole lot. So yeah, it's really Frylock just keeping him around. So in a way, it's kind of a Frylock episode. And I have to wonder why was Frylock... I, I think Frylock just wanted to study this creature, this alien creature, because Frylock is a scientist. So that kind of makes sense, but just, you know, some interesting stuff there that I didn't really touch on. So, all right, let's move to your thoughts on this episode. We have Edgar.Allen.Emery saying, I don't know why, but I think Travis is cute, which I want to read that because they 
again, do a great job conveying a lot from this character with its eyes, which isn't something they've done before on the show. They do it with Meatwad a little bit when he's sad, but Meatwad can talk, right? Travis can't talk unless he has his tentacle in somebody or later on once he uses the communication helmet that Frylock gives to him. So outside of those moments, it would not really work if this character couldn't do anything. So they really have him express with his eyes. And I, I think that lends to his cuteness a lot because they do get a lot of points across with that simple animation. And since I just mentioned the communication helmet that Frylock makes for Travis, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek at the crazy sick shit we're going over on the Patreon feed there. If you'd like to uh, get a little taste of what's happening there, not safe for work. So make sure you're not playing this out loud or around kids. But that speaker that Travis is using that is connected to his helmet makes an appearance in the Aqua Teen film. We see it when Meatwad is putting on his concert it is the leftmost speaker at the concert. It's that same exact speaker asset. And I know this specifically because the speaker has some dings and some scrapes on it and stuff. And it has the same exact scrapes and dings as the one that Travis is using because there's another speaker in that scene that is not like that. So, yeah, same one. Uh, pretty surprised to see that. I figured they would just make new speaker assets, but they didn't. They reused one of these old ones and then there's some other one there. So moving on to our next comment, we have Carson Ibera saying, Really fun and special episode. Travis was a funny character, and all the main characters were used well. So yeah, just great overall thoughts on the episode. I mean, Super Spore, one of the best from the season so far, no doubt. Of course, thank you to everybody who responds to these messages. A lot of them are just quotes and, and, and very quick thoughts, which I appreciate those. But yeah, uh, thank you everyone who submitted. And as always, keep them coming. Before we completely wrap up here, I asked a question on Instagram. I suppose this would have done better at the front of this episode, but I'll mention it here because it is relevant. I said, of the season two episodes we've covered with a guest, which do you prefer, Supercomputer or Super Spore? And Super Spore won with 52% of the vote. Supercomputer, obviously, 48%. Very, very, very close on this one. So thank you to everyone who voted there. It was 29 to 32 was the final vote count. So yeah, just wild to see. Should have asked this on Twitter, but also just to get a few more answers in there. But I mean, just kind of a spur of the moment thought, but just crazy how close it was, but both solid episodes. And I would say so far, if we're talking about my favorites from the season, I think it would be Super Spore and Super Computer and Super Bowl. Uh, not necessarily in that order, but I think those are our top three of the six we have covered, at least in terms of my favorites. So those are the three episodes we covered this month. A lot of fun. Uh, really enjoyed all three of these, honestly. Some great episodes. So let's move on, wrap up this episode with some random shit, some stuff I've been up to, all that good stuff. In case you couldn't tell by the sound of my creaky old man bones in the background of these recordings, my class reunion is coming up and I've had some thoughts about it. You know, I'm like, well, I'm not going to that. Fuck that. And then I'm like, well, wait a second now. I had a decent time in high school. I like a lot of the people I went to school with. Um, not really anyone I specifically dislike. I mean, I'm sure there are people I dislike, but I, I can't remember. Uh, my high school was, it was a good school. A, a nice public school, small class size. Grew up with basically all those kids, you know. It's like, well, hold on now. Maybe I will go to this thing. I don't know. Uh, they're still kind of putting it together on the our, our class Facebook group. And we'll see. Uh, maybe, because I, I only live like, four hours from where I grew up and I have I have family still in that town so 
you know, I, I could go see my sister, see my nephew, and sure, my mom and dad would come out and stuff. So, you know, I, I might go. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when they do it. But yeah, I, I always assumed like I just wouldn't go. But uh, I'm like, well, well, why is that? It'd be nice to see people. But I think the big thing is a lot of people, I'm sure, have good careers there. I'm sure most people just have like all right careers. I work at fucking Target, okay? Is that going to blow people away? No. But I also do this podcast. That might be interesting. Um, you know, if you're not from the United States, there's a lot of pressure put on what you do for a job or a career. Well, I don't really have a career. Uh, I, I've come to learn about myself. I'm not super motivated by money, which is um, probably a good thing overall, but uh, in the culture I live in, it can be stressful at times. I mean, as you could tell by doing this podcast, it's uh, you know not, not, not raking in the big bucks or anything, but I enjoy it. I, I'm more interested in doing things. I like doing, you know, just trying to, I guess, provide value to other people, brighten their day, all that cheesy stuff, and just doing the bare minimum, I guess, to make enough money to get by, uh, which I feel like is human nature in a way. You do just what you have to do. Of course, I say this from a privileged position of somebody who is engaged to living with someone who does have a career, so I am able to afford to, uh, you know, not have the highest paying job myself. Now, I'm saying this as somebody without children who would like to have children, so I'm sure that will all change once, you know, there's a little bit more responsibility in the picture, but hey, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And I want to point out here, because I might, I might sound like a, uh, a mooch or something, I actually have picked up more shifts lately at work just to, you know, make, make a little bit more, make things a little bit easier for my fiance and I. I'm not, I'm not trying to get a free ride here. It's just I am not aspiring to be some sort of entrepreneur, it seems like, is the uh, big popular dream to have, especially when uh, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but when I'm, when I'm trying to look into things in terms of advertising a podcast or growing a podcast, it's always like, yeah, you got to make a business. You got to sell stuff to your listeners and all this shit. I'm like, dude, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to talk about the things I like. I don't want to have to do all this bullshit. And uh, yeah, it's kind of tough to to, uh, learn about podcasting as somebody who isn't trying to turn it into a business necessarily. Now, like the furthest I would want to go with that is, you know, just just making money on Patreon to uh, keep doing your thing. But yeah, it, it seems like so much is like, oh, a podcast is a small part of your business. And I just can't relate to it. And of course, no shade towards those who do think that way, who do aspire for those things, but it's just not for me. I guess that's my point. Thinking back to the high school reunion conundrum here, I'm thinking I'm going to be asked a lot, what do you do? What do you do for a living now? What have you been up to? And like I was saying, that just brings on a real societal anxiety and uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just not going to go. Who cares? All right, enough of this, what might I do, what won't I do, what have I been doing this past month? Well, hmm, let's think about it here. What have I been watching? I have been watching, or rather addicted to, this little show called 90 Day Fiance. Now look, my friend Ren was like, hey, I have a Discovery Plus account. I'm like, well, what the hell is that? Turns out Discovery Plus has basically every show that I like that I cannot find on other streaming platforms. So you've got your uh, TLC shows. You got your HGTV shows, all these just kind of dumb reality shows that I find very comforting for some reason. A lot of them I grew up watching. And so I've been really going through 90 Day Fiance with my friends. We all get in like a big Discord call and 
watch it all together. And that's a lot of fun. 90 Day Fiance basically being a uh, dating show, but most of the people on the show are fucking insane. It's just like watching a train wreck in slow motion. It's crazy. So it's a great time watching with friends, having some drinks. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's insane. It's nuts. I can't believe that people live like this. I guess calling it a dating show isn't right because the people are already in relationships when they start getting documented. And, you know, there's a few couples on there. It's like, all right, they're playing this up for cameras. I'm not interested in that. I like seeing real desperate people trying to make something work that obviously will not. And saying that out loud makes me feel like, wow, am I a bad person? But these people signed up to be here. They knew what was happening. They knew what was going on. They knew that what they were doing, maybe in the back recess of their mind, was stupid. So, hey, it's not my fault they put themselves out there to be seen by millions. Besides that, on, on Discovery Plus, I've been watching Little People, Big World. I uh, watched a lot of that as a kid, so I'm just rewatching it now. I don't know that I'll watch like the whole show because it's it's been going from 2006 till present day. I don't know if I need to see that much, but but I, I don't know. I like that show. I, I like the way it's edited. Lots of uh, uplifting, positive music. It's just a good show to have on the background. But yeah, Discovery Plus, it's, it's like five or six bucks a month or something with ads, but you can, for like a few more dollars, you can get it without ads. So yeah, just been watching that a lot, having a lot of fun with that. Otherwise, my fiance is watching through Modern Family, some kind of sitcom. And at first I was like, dude, I don't give a fuck about that. But then I, you know, see it see it out of the corner of my eye a couple times. And then one day I'm like, all right, well, let's see what this is about. Sit down and watch it with her. And I actually really like it now. It's, it's better than I thought it would be. So I'm having fun with that a little bit whenever she has it on. I wouldn't watch it by myself, but uh, when she has it on, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it sometimes. Otherwise, now look, I've been seeing a lot of stuff about these friends and I had to figure out why they were smiling. That's right. I, I uh, saw your messages. I saw your stories. I saw the posts, uh, people telling me to watch it. Uh, I checked out some episodes of Smiling Friends. And I liked it. Uh, the first episode I thought was really great. The pilot, my understanding is that pilot was made in 2020 and then the show came out, you know, in full this year, I think. So in, uh, a couple years later when after the uh, pilot came out and the second episode, I did not really like very much. But the third one I thought was great. And it had David Firth in it, the creator of Salad Fingers. But he's done so much more than that. And he basically does the voice that he does in his Jerry Jackson cartoons in this episode of Smiling Friends. And Jerry Jackson was my favorite thing that David Firth did. It's just hilarious. So I was all for that. I loved that third episode of Smiling Friends. And I plan to check out the rest. I, I never really got around to it yet, but I, I definitely will. Yeah, I'll definitely check out the rest of it, which is rare. Like a lot of Adult Swim shows I watch, like newer shows, I just, I check out one episode. I'm like, eh, whatever. And I don't care. But but Smiling Friends, I I understand why people like it. And I appreciate that the show, it has like a positive disposition. And I like that because so many shows are like, oh, we're negative and like we're edgy and we're cool. And this show has those elements. But the whole point of the show is the main characters trying to cheer other people up. Now, are they always successful or whatever? I, I don't know because I haven't seen all the episodes. Uh, they kind of like stumble their way into making people happy through these kind of usually fucked up means which is funny but yeah i just like that the show is they're trying to make people happy it's i don't want to say lighthearted, but in that vein and i appreciate that because again most adult animation is oh we're dark and edgy and this is not that kind of show there is dark and edgy stuff to it but it, overall it's not that kind of show so really interesting and i will check out more smiling friends i appreciate those who who reached out to me and told me to, to check it out um because of you know it's it's in a somewhat kind of similar vein of Aquatine. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And I liked it. I'll watch more of it.
So moving on to music, I am still enjoying Tidal. Like I said in the previous Community Jiggle, I was giving it a try, and I actually really like it. And I'm saying that because I didn't expect to notice a difference or even care what specific app I was using a whole lot, but Tidal has really impressed me. I really like the layout, how simple it is, but more so, I found the suggestion algorithm in it to be really great. It's shown me a lot of new stuff that either I'd never heard of before or like I knew the artist's name, but I didn't know any of their music. It's shown me all sorts of really cool stuff I'm really clicking with, which in years of Spotify, I assumed that they would have been able to do, but they never really did. Spotify, I found, would just show me the most popular thing, really. But Tidal will show me things that are kind of underground, for lack of a better term, that I'm like, wow, really, it suggested this to me, like this tiny band, but it's spot on with with what it's showing me. Now, this is my experience. I'm not saying you'll 100% have this experience, but I've just been surprised because on Spotify, I even went so far as to turn off the play suggested song thing. For example, if you finish an album, it'll start playing stuff it thinks you'll like. Well, on Spotify, I found this to be so just bad, I just turned it off. I'm like, oh, I don't want to listen to this shit that you're going to play me. But on title, I kind of look forward to it. I'm like, oh, I wonder what it's going to show me after listening to this album. And I always find something I like, which is really rare. Now, don't get me wrong. Spotify, I like their Discover Weekly playlists, but in terms of their just like after your song runs out, the stuff they would play would just be garbage. And mostly the Discover Weekly was garbage too. Occasionally, I would find like one song that I really loved. But so far with title, yeah, I like have just found so much stuff I've liked because of it. So I appreciate that. I like titles focus on stuff that's coming out. It notifies you. It's really clear when an artist that you like puts something new out. Uh, I found that not to be the case with Spotify. I'm not saying Spotify didn't do that, but I never really noticed it. So I think that kind of says a lot. And one cool thing about Tidal too is if you go to an artist's page, not every artist has this, but a lot of them will have bands that influenced them, which is really cool. Now, I don't know where they get this information. I doubt it's the artists adding it themselves, but from the bands I'm familiar with that I know well, their influences that it adds are spot on because it's you know influences I've seen the lead singer talk about or whatever. So this is coming from somewhere, and I think it's really cool to go to a band's page and see, oh, what does this band like? Let me listen to that. So that kind of thing is a lot of fun. Now, back to the Spotify uh, versus Tidal algorithm thing. I don't suspect that Tidal's algorithm itself is better. In fact, I assume Spotify's algorithm is much better because they have way more money. But I was kind of thinking about why Tidal is giving me better suggestions than Spotify did. And I really think it comes down to the user base, which really boils down to the data that the algorithms have to work with. And by that, I mean... Not to diss anybody on Spotify or anything, but but because Spotify's user base is so large, it's going to trend towards more popular things and just, for lack of a better term, I hate that I'm even saying this, but normier things, I guess. Just more normal, uh, plain, popular music, which is fine. But when I've heard this same band a thousand times and it's like, all right, I don't need to be suggested them anymore, it, it got old. And on Tidal... Because the user base is not only smaller, but I assume more invested in music, it has more interesting data to play with to suggest me things. It's like, oh, you like this kind of weird band? Well, check out this other you know, small kind of weird band. As opposed to, oh, you like this small kind of weird band? Well, here's the biggest band in this genre. Check them out. Which, like, yeah, I know the biggest bands in the genre usually that I'm listening to. I don't need to be suggested then. So jumping into more specifics, I was suggested this song called Turtle Bay by Softer Still, a band I'd never heard before. I guess they're from the UK. They rock. I love this song. It's my most played song this month. Let me play a little bit for you. 
It's super cheesy, and I can't stop listening to it. I love it so much. That is Softer Still with Turtle Bay. Check them out. Otherwise, I've been, uh, I guess, rediscovering a band I love called Ultra Major, who I'm only familiar with because I'm friends with the singer of the band. But it's, this isn't a situation where it's like, oh, my friend's in the band, so I just like them and listen to them. No, I would love this band if I didn't know anybody in it. They're really great. And I met this friend because the Smashing Pumpkins are my favorite band. And I actually uh, run a Discord server for the band, uh, you know, for fans and stuff like that. So I met him through that. And that's probably why I relate to his music so much, or, or at least I appreciate it, because he is a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan like I am. So that influences his songwriting. So there you go. I'm probably going to like it if it's Smashing Pumpkins influenced. And if you like earlier Smashing Pumpkins, like like Siamese Dream Melancholy era, then you'll probably like Ultra Major. And the reason I um, am bringing them up is because I was chatting with this friend and like, yeah, you know, how have you been? Because we haven't talked in a little while. And he said that Ultra Major are working on a new EP, which I'm super excited for because things were going pretty well with them. Uh, they came out with their album in 2018. They put out some singles in 2019. And then 2020 hit, as you know, with COVID and it fucked them over. Their drummer got COVID really bad, you know, when the pandemic hit. They're in New York City, so it was super bad there in the beginning, if you remember. And yeah, just everything kind of fell apart. The drummer like had a, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give personal information away, but, but yeah, just uh, crazy stuff. But luckily they are back because I, I thought that they might just break up because of everything that was going on. And yeah, they're back together and apparently working on a new EP. I'm super excited. Let me play you a little bit of a song from their first album, uh, their self-titled album. This is Ultra Major with Tokyo. That song, Tokyo, the closer to their album, and that song is about 12 minutes long, and believe me when I say it could easily be twice or three times as long, and it would still not be long enough for me, because it's just so awesome, this song specifically, but but every song they have, I don't think that they have a bad song, and I'm, I'm being honest here, I mean, if I look at my last.fm stats, which show everything I listen to, this is one of my most listened to albums, one of my most listened to bands as well, and I just am so excited for more music, but... But back to the song Tokyo, it being 12 minutes long, it's not like verse chorus for 12 minutes. There's so many really interesting, just rocking, for, for lack of a better term, interludes and stuff in the song. I just, I wish it never ended. Genuinely, I really do. It's such a great song. So that's ultra major. Check them out. They're so good. Uh, I'll cut the music talk here. This has gone on long enough. Lastly, to what I've been playing this past month, nothing really different. Actually, a lot less Overwatch than usual because the friends I would play Overwatch with We've all been watching 90 Day Fiancé instead, which is a much more relaxing experience. Overwatch is a six versus six player game. And because there's usually four or five of us, we always have random people on our team, which sometimes can be fun. Sometimes you meet some really great people, but other times people, either they're just assholes or maybe they're just not good at the game and it's, it's frustrating when you get them on your team. And yeah, so I haven't been, haven't been playing much of that. Uh, still playing Slay the Spire, that roguelike deck building card game. Love that. Uh, spending less time, luckily, playing that. I've, I've kind of reined it back a bit, but having fun with that as well. Not a whole lot with games. 
Uh, I see they just announced a new Pokemon game. As you know, I'm a Pokemon fan, but I don't really care at this point. Again, I'm not saying that to be like, yeah, I'm fucking cool. But uh, just, yeah, it's, it's strange. I thought I would always play those games, but I'm just genuinely not interested when they announce new ones anymore because the last few I've played have not been very good, in my opinion. That's not to say I'll never play them. I'm sure at some point, but, you know, I don't have the money to be dropping 60 bucks on something that's just a so-so experience. For those outside of the uh, Nintendo world, the Pokemon games on the 3DS, the previous system, were 40 bucks. You know, that's a little bit more reasonable, especially when the games were honestly a bit better than they are now. But now they're charging 60 bucks. Plus, you know, they'll put out DLC and stuff, which you pay extra for. Uh, for a game that is probably rushed, not super, you know, polished in my experience, it's like, ah, I, I don't really want to spend that much money on that. So, all right, I think that's everything I had prepared for this month's Community Jiggle. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you to our wonderful patrons who keep this thing chugging along. Of course, we have our super supporters to thank. Sean, Ian, Josh, and Keenan. You guys are the boss. I appreciate all the supporters. I appreciate you for listening, for listening to my rambling here. Uh, lots going on, but I hope you enjoyed this Community Jiggle. And I will see you next week when we continue our deep dives. We'll be jumping in to season two, episode seven, Super Sir Loin. See you later.